the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For the last few broadcasts, we've been in a series called What is a Godly Marriage? And if you find yourself outside of a godly marriage, is there any hope? Well, that is how we'll close our series out, looking at the hope we have in Christ. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. Hi and welcome. This is Abounding Grace. Our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, has been in a small little series called What is a Godly Marriage? And we've ranged all over on this topic. And it really is a very poignant topic, especially in our current culture that we live in. So if you find yourself in a marriage that isn't godly, is there hope? What about those marital strains that tug on us and require and desire us to follow after the worldly ways of dealing with it? Well, there is hope. It's found in Psalm 42 and 63, and that's where we'll spend the remainder of our week. Here's Pastor Gary and today's Abounding Grace. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go down into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes, but the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory, for the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. I'm going to finish my series on marriage today with an idea that I've actually mentioned a couple of times through the series. And that is that you cannot have the kind of marriage that I've laid out to you from God's holy word unless you first love the God of that word and fully trust in him. So today I'm going to talk about the kind of heart we need to have a marriage Uh, to have the marriage a Christian can have and should have, and a heart that pants after God. Christianity is not only a religion of holy thoughts and holy behavior, it is also a religion of holy emotions. Now, such a statement could be easily misunderstood in this age in which we live, 
Most people today, both inside and outside the church, are completely governed by their feelings and emotions. And rational thought has been thrown out the window like an unwanted baby with its dirty bathwater. God made man in his own image, governed by a logical thought process that controls his volition and which his emotions are subject to. But when Adam and Eve rebelled against their creator in the Garden of Eden, their fall, as, as, it, is become, as it is come to be called, turned their constitution upside down. And now man is governed by his emotions, which drives our volition, often against our best intentions. And what's left of the logical thought process is subject to the corruption of the other two. Because our emotions are so unstable and can so easily be tossed one way and then the other, in an instant, from moment to moment, they cannot be trusted to guide our daily thoughts, decisions, and actions. Nevertheless, emotions do play an important role in true religion once God regenerates our hearts. And he fills the void that has been vacant within us since our original parents committed their cosmic treason against their maker. Oh, how empty and tasteless would be the stuff of life without the whole range of human emotions. King David was not afraid of his emotions, nor was he afraid to express his emotions in his worship and service of God. Jonathan Edwards spoke of David's psalms as holy songs that were the outpouring of devout and holy emotions. A man named Needham, who paraphrased and simplified Jonathan Edwards' great 18th century work that was entitled Religious Affections, said this, In the Psalms we see a humble and fervent love for God, admiration for His glorious perfections and wonderful works, desires and thirstings of the soul toward Him. We see delight and happiness in God, a sweet and melting gratitude for His great goodness and a holy rejoicing in His favor, sufficiency, and faithfulness. We see love for and delight in God's people, great delight in God's word and ordinances, sorrow for David's own sin and the sins of others, and fervent zeal for God, and fervent zeal against God's enemies." Unquote. David's highly developed emotional life as a Christian can be clearly seen in the two psalms that we read just a few moments ago, Psalm 42 and Psalm 63. They both have the same historical context, David's exile. David was not able to return to Jerusalem. He had killed Goliath, and he had become a hero, and God had commanded the prophet Samuel to anoint David, king of Israel, in place of Saul, who was a bitter disappointment to God and who proved to be a rebel, a rebel against God. 
And after David killed Goliath, he was such a hero to the people that they would sing songs like, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul heard the rejoicing over their newfound hero and immediately feared that he would be displaced by David merely on the basis of this one incident. And this tells us something about how insecure Saul's self-willed belligerence must have made him. He grew very jealous and afraid of David. And so Saul began to persecute David and attempted to kill him several times. David was forced then to take flee for his life away from Jerusalem. For an extended period of time, David had to hide in the crevices and the caves of the mountains outside Jerusalem. For his safety's sake. And it was in that situation that David wrote several of his psalms. In particular, the psalms we read today. What I would like for you to see first in both of these psalms is the way they begin. David describes himself as like a panting deer. He says, my heart, my soul, at the deepest level of my being, I crave. I long for hunger, thirst, pant for the living God. Notice we don't read anything about David's panting for the throne that was rightly his, but on which he could not sit. We don't hear David yearning for his family and his home. He didn't seem to be seeking for the wealth and the power that belonged to him. We don't read anything about David thirsting for anything in creation at all. Instead, he says that as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. And in Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. The great Dutchman of the late 19th century and early 20th century, Abraham Kuyper, said that David was consumed with homesickness for God. He writes, so says David, My soul pants, yea, thirst after the living God. Not after a creed about God, nor an idea of God, nor a mere remembrance of God, nor a divine majesty that far removed from the soul stands over against it, nor a bumper sticker God who can be neatly described in a few trite words or phrases. But my soul thirsts for God himself. I thirst after God in his holy outpouring of strength and grace. I thirst after the God who is alive and who in this life makes advances towards me with his spirit who penetrates me. And in holy exhibition of his love reveals himself to me as the living God. You see, says Kuyper, It's not your idea. It's not your understanding. It's not your thinking. It's not your reasoning. It's not even your profession of faith that can quench this thirst. The homesickness goes out after God himself until in your soul's transport of love, you feel the warmth of God's Father heart in your own heart. 
It's not the name of God, but God Himself who your soul desires and cannot do without. God Himself and the outshining of His life. This outshining of His life must penetrate you and must be articulated in the blood of your soul, unquote. The one thing that David craved above everything else in this world was the living God. To know Him better, to love Him more, to enjoy fellowship with Him, to be made like Him, to be reassured of His love for Him. Is that you, beloved? And of course, whenever our hearts and our souls yearn and thirst and pant for God, we as Christians know they are yearning and thirsting for Jesus Christ himself, who is the God-man, Yahweh incarnate, the expression of the infinite maker of all things within the sphere of humanity. Speaking of him to the Samaritan woman, Jesus said, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But that water I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And on another occasion, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He also said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He that believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not just the experience of super spiritual Christians. This is not the secret prize that is coveted by the extraordinary elite group of saints who has spoken in tongues and who have sought the second blessing or the deeper life. Every true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ shares David's experience. He has a hunger. He has a thirst. He has a panting heart that is only satisfied by God, manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you have such a panting heart? It is possible to be a member of the church and not have it. You can think of yourself as a sincere Christian and not have it. But all true believers, to some greater or lesser degree, have the same experience as the deer pants after the mountain brook. Our hearts pant for God in the Lord Jesus Christ. We long to love Him more sincerely, deeply, and intensely. To fellowship and commune with Him more intimately. To be like Him in our own character and in our own behavior. Augustine, the bishop of Hippo in the late 4th and 5th century, said once in a prayer, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So I ask you, members of Reformed Heritage Church and those who may be guests with us here today, is the religion you profess one of the heart and the emotions, as well as the intellect? Or is it purely an icy, cold intellectualism, or a painless, 
convenient thing. Or maybe even just a good luck charm, just in case you might need one. Have you ever personally experienced the panting of your heart for the living God like David describes it? If you are a real Christian, one who has been truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit and spiritually regenerated by Him, you surely know what I'm talking about. If you're not a real Christian, you will undoubtedly not be able to relate. Because David is not merely describing the simple nagging of a guilty conscience that condemns us when we sin. And constantly reminds us that we do not measure up to God's standards. For that is nothing more than the remnants of the law of God that we were subjects to before we committed cosmic treason against our maker. Notice the intensity of David's thirst for God. All of these powerful verbs. As the deer pants, my heart Pants. My soul thirsts for the living God. In Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early or earnestly will I seek thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Verse 8, my soul followeth hard after thee. These are the words that explain the experience of the true believer of God in Christ. He thirsts for Him. He hungers for Him. And He pants for Him. He follows hard after Him. His flesh yearns for Him. In fact, our craving for Christ is so intense that we must express it. Can't you see here the deep emotions that are filling David's soul? Thanks be to God that David didn't close up his heart to these things. Instead, he wrote about them. He couldn't hold back, beloved. He had to express them as the great songwriter that he was. His emotions were so intense that he couldn't keep them bottled up inside. He had to express them to God and to others. My soul yearns for my God. Listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said. The panting of a thirsty deer is something terrible to see. It appears to thirst all over. Every pore of its body is thirsting. It's not only its swollen tongue, its snorting nostrils, its glaring eyes, but the creature and every part in every hair thirst and pants, unquote. On one hand, the thirsting soul can be A painful thing to observe. However, from a different perspective, it is a glorious occurrence to behold. For it is the very evidence of God at work in and amongst us. Like the wind of John in chapter 3, verse 8, the Holy Spirit of Almighty God moves us. And our panting for God is like the rustling of leaves that have just been stirred by a gentle breeze. This thirst, this craving that the Christian heart has for the living God can oftentimes be unpleasant. It is usually full of anguish and pain and it does not rest until it is satisfied in the presence of God. 
That's the way true love is. Marital love has a hunger and a thirst to it. It has a craving. It has a, a panting to it. The woman that a man loves and to whom he is married, he hungers for her love and attention, her emotional support. He, he craves it. She is the one he desires above anyone else. Turn, if you will, to the Song of Solomon. And here we'll see that this hungering and thirsting can be a painful thing. And I'm just going to read a couple of selected portions of the book. We'll begin with uh, chapter 1. And I'll read verses 1 through 4. The Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The bride is here speaking of her husband, and she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me after you. And let us run together. The king hath brought me into his chamber. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. You see here the hunger of the bride for her groom, uh, the church for Christ. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The groom is away, and the bride is missing him. And she says... By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I, I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets, and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye he, him who my soul loveth? It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. You can feel something of the homesickness of this bride for her groom when he's not there. This is the hunger and thirst of love. This is the experience that every true believer has with God in Christ. He or she hungers for Him. He thirsts for Him. She pants for Him as a deer pants for water when it is in a parched and dirty and, and, and empty land. But more specifically, David thirsts for the living God in the ordinances of public worship at the tabernacle. He did not just generally say that his heart thirsted for God, although I'm sure it did. I want you to notice that he says this in the context of public worship. Because he was being excluded here from public worship at the tabernacle. And his heart was homesick for the one whom he would meet at that tabernacle. Notice in verse 42, David says in verse 1, and the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? 
When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the holy day. Look at Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. <coughs> o God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. David is saying, I long, I crave, I hunger and thirst for God in his sanctuary in congregational worship. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.